Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be joined by director Hannah Bergholm to talk about her latest movie, Catching. And the first thing that I was interested in is, you know, it sounds like you were incredibly involved in the development process from the script because the screenwriter initially came to you with an idea. And even the fact that it's a female lead character was actually one of your input ideas early on. Um, and because it's such a visually dynamic film, I was really interested in how being involved in the development process with the screenwriter really helped in starting to imagine the visual world and some of the details that you were able to intersperse into the film. Yeah, it was really vital to me to uh, participate in the whole development of the, the story, first of all, and then the whole screenplay, uh, because uh, then during that whole process, we really discussed everything and developed uh, all the characters, all the plot lines and everything with the screenwriter. And we worked very well together. And, uh, and I think uh, both of our kind of visual thinking worked very well together. And also I could then also in the screenwriting stage, I could put in my kind of uh, view on the visuality of this film. and. Uh, something for example that I really wanted to have for this film was that since we wanted to tell about a mother who wants to keep up appearances of the happy family I wanted her to be a kind of vlogger influencer because I think social media is kind of today's way of keeping up appearances and show our kind of happy life to the whole world and uh, and that really kind of uh, started for me the whole thinking of the visual style of this film. And you're bringing up there the, the complexity of the mother-daughter relationship, which is so central to the film. And what I actually loved about it is you have a mother who's so keen to try and keep every detail, you know, at a level of perfection. And yet it, it you know, it's always coming from a place of love. And so I was interested in, in terms of, of that development process with the character and in terms of, of working with the actress who plays her, how you made sure that it always felt that way. It never feels like animosity towards her daughter because it actually feels like it comes from a place where she's holding herself to those high standards and there's mm. a genesis somewhere for her as well. Yeah, well, that was something we really uh, discussed with uh, Sofia Heikkila, who plays the character of mother, and, and I mean, she's so wonderful actor. And so uh, that is something we discussed and very early on when in the rehearsals when we were discussing about this mother character. And, uh, and I said that I think uh, the mother is kind of person who unfortunately is unable to feel uh love or to feel that she really loves someone and i think that is quite tragic i i don't know what has happened to her in her kind of childhood and i think she's kind of also a sad character because i think she's kind of a person who also desperately tries to please she tries to please her anonymous viewers in her who watches her vlog so i think she tries to put make everything in her life kind of to portray perfect happiness in order to find perfect happiness. And I think she never really ever finds it. And, and I also think that she does her best to kind of uh, act in a very loving way. But at the same time, uh, she doesn't really maybe feel very loving towards her daughter. And that is kind of the... Uh, the contrast that the daughter is facing all the time and the mother is kind of 
I was discussing with Sofia that the mother is kind of treating the daughter as something that belongs to her and is there to fulfill her maybe broken dreams in, in sports and in life. And, and uh, she treats the daughter kind of to be her best friend or so she kind of explains to herself. So yeah, I think she is very actually a quite interesting and complex character. Yeah, she really is. And, and also talking about the main character with the daughter as well, with Tina, um, I was interested in the casting aspect of that because you you saw, I think, something like over 1,200 potential actresses for that role. And you've ended up with a really, really remarkable actress. And it, it's the first project that she's done of, of this type in leading a feature film. You know, but she's so incredible at capturing all of the internalized aspects of the character because there's so much that is never said through dialogue, which is, you know, a huge challenge for that role. And so when you were auditioning, what was the way that you were looking at actresses? What was your process in terms of what you were having them read or play out or the types of conversations that you were having with them to really find someone not only who could deliver the performance on the surface, but so much of what's going on inside of this character? Yeah, well, we had a very, it was like a, a half a year that we had these auditions and we have several stages of auditions. So first we asked uh, all the girls, all these 1200 girls to sell us, uh, send us self tapes. And, uh, and in that, uh, I just asked the girl, first of all, to show some gymnast uh, tricks. They didn't need to be gymnast in real life, but just to be able to kind of played off that, okay, this might be a gymnastics girl. And then just to kind of uh, present themselves so that I could see how at ease they are in front of camera. And then uh, I had asked them to kind of imagine that they are in rage and look straight to the lens and scream in out of rage because it's very difficult for for young children to play rage. And, and that was something that Sira really kind of could do and really could kind of throw herself into that and then in the first audition when we asked all the kind of kind of I think that was like 260 girls we then asked for the auditions and we had kind of 10 girls all at once and I was actually there already with the girls and uh, and right away I said okay let's start crawling on the floor and you can look look at me what I'm doing and you can do your own stuff and let's try start to play monsters <laughs> and I wanted to watch who can kind of throw their, their, themselves into it and who can find interesting ways to move I want to see who can move well and just scream and be a monster and then I had kind of some exercises for them that okay the other ones of you are monsters and the other ones of you are kind of schoolgirls who are afraid of monsters and I was watching who can portray fear in believable way and uh, then I asked them to say a couple of lines just to see how they can do that and then in the next audition I had some scenes for them so that I could see and in those scenes uh, there was just a couple of lines but also just that they need to react. For example, I said that this uh, teddy bear is a kind of wounded animal that you have found. And then I'm the mother who crack kills the bird and I, or the whatever animal. And then I want to see their reaction and how they can react to that. And then they, we had some scenes that they need to do. So there was a lot of things uh, that I kind of tested how they can do it. And I really wanted to test uh, not just how they read the lines, but how they can kind of throw themselves into 
any emotions and so yeah that's really, really fascinating to hear. And actually mm-hmm. leads me into one of the other things that I was really interested about, which is the rehearsal process, because, you know, I know that that was a really important thing for you to have plenty of time with the cast, because it also meant that when you were on set, that you didn't have to spend as much time having conversations yeah. about things. You can just, just go straight into shooting much more easily. And so similarly, were you doing kind of similar workshop style things or were you working through scenes in a very specific way during that time with your cast? Uh, yeah, uh, since we had this uh, Siri, uh, this young girl who had never acted anywhere, she didn't even know what it means to be on, in films. And she was, of course, nervous about this professional actor. So for me, the first most important thing to do was for her to feel at ease and feel relaxed and safe among all our grown-ups. So, so again, we basically crawled on the floor and played monsters and we did some baking together and we shot some funny short film in one day when where the, all the kids could come up with uh, uh, characters for us uh, grown-ups and we had to put on funny costumes and the, and the, the men, for example, were playing princesses and I was a telepathic chicken or something like that and, and so uh, just that uh, because I th- I think that if I'm asking a 12 year old girl to kind of put everything in there and kind of uh, be enraged in front of grown-ups also as grown-ups has to show her that we are also kind of willing to put ourselves in there and then we really talked about each scene and and about what this senior character is feeling in this scene, and uh, and we rehearsed and found out all different kind of ways for this early character to move. And Siri is so naturally talented, and she had kind of just natural talent in moving in very interesting ways. And and uh, we had stunt coordinator with whom we rehearsed all the fight scenes. And um, so we did all that, and then then we had this animatronic puppet, so we rehearsed with that. And so, so then in the shootings, it was very easy because uh, it was really that the actors knew what the scenes were about and, and so on. So, and, and for me, when working, especially when working with children and especially in this kind of film, it's important that I don't try to mess up with the real emotions of this girl. For example, when Siri is playing uh, fear, it's very important that she herself is not afraid that she feels safe. So that was always important to me. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you, you're bringing up, obviously, the animatronic bird in the film. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to talk about that because it's such a, a remarkable visual throughout the film. And and also your collaboration with Gustav Hogan, who's the uh, person who like worked with you to design it, has worked on films like Star Wars and Jurassic Park, um, and was interested in, in how the two of you work together collaboratively to come up with a lot of the design elements, not only that would look really great visually on screen, but also the kind of explore a lot of the undercurrent and a lot of the themes underneath, because even just the fact that it's it's a very emaciated creature, you know, speaks to some of the undercurrent of, you know, potential eating disorders that are explored within yeah. the film. And, you know, then you've got this like really, really kind of like scrawny feel on the outside, but these like very connective eyes to create that yeah. relationship with her. Yeah, well, that was really, uh, first of all, we started to design the look of the creature in Finland with two concept artists, Petteri Mäkinen and Emilia Lindholm. And what I was explaining to them, uh, what I wanted out of this look of the creature was that it's totally 
first of all, totally deformed. So it's totally opposite of this uh, perfect gymnast. And it's kind of anorectically thin because I wanted to portray this subtle theme of eating disorder in it. And it's just in every way, just disgusting. So it's kind of creature that no one could ever love. And I was describing that it's kind of like a smelly teenager that it's raging to its parents, but just wants to be loved. And, uh, and, um, and also, yes, I, I didn't want it to be an evil character. I didn't want it to be a predator. So I really wanted to have these big eyes. So it looks like it's kind of innocent and always all instincts open. So uh, this concept artist, they draw some concept images of it and made a 3D sculpture of it. And then uh, I was Googling who is the best animatronic designer in the world. And I found Gustav Hergen, who has done all these amazing films. And I emailed him basically like, hello, I'm Hanna from Finland. I have a <laughs> film. Can you make a puppet? Uh, good story, but low budget. And uh, so he got excited about the project and came along. And, and he looked at our concept designs that we had. And his team started to build the puppet. And we were in... Um, communication all during this process and they were asking uh, me a kind of comments for every step and it was really uh, when the puppet it has just the skeleton of the puppet and uh, then we had puppeteers that Gustav uh, kind of collected and there were five puppeteers that have been working in all Star Wars films and they were so professional and so nice and so we had rehearsals with this skeleton puppet and the puppeteers and then in the rehearsals they also came up with the ideas what the puppet could actually do and we kind of tested what the puppet can do well and what it can't do so best not to write that into the scenes and so for example the puppeteers came up with the idea of the uh, creature grabbing a girl's finger with its tiny hand and that was kind of something that was their idea and uh yeah and then then in the end result I could just really admire the skill of all of everyone the whole team who have been involving making this puppet because it was so well done and so skilled work and what were the logistics of filming scenes with it once you were on set? Because it was a mix of, as you were saying, puppeteers that were controlling the limbs, but then also there was some, you know, kind of like remote control of the expressions on its face. And some of the scenes are incredibly intricate, even just the actual hatching itself when it's coming out of the egg, there's so yeah. much movement and motion in that. Yeah, well, it was basically uh, in the shootings, we had five puppeteers moving the the puppet's body with rods and all the facial expressions and fingers moved with remote control. So practically in this kind of bird uh, human stage of the creature, almost all you see in the final film is what we did practically uh, on set. And, but there was something kind of for a couple of shots, we enhanced the pupil movement and nostril movement uh, with VFX. And, uh, and for some scenes when it hatches, we kind of, yeah, that was all kind of practical effect, except that for some scenes we kind of um, put some images together in, in VFX, kind of like uh, there is a picture of girl peeking through the wardrobe and there is a mirror where you see the creature. So th those were kind of, uh, the mirror image was put there and made kind of better with VFX. But, but otherwise it's uh, basically all was there that we did on set.
Yeah, I also wanted to talk a little bit as well about working with your cinematographer, because again, there's very specific choices made in the fact that everything is very light. There's really no shadows in the film until much later on, and they're very minimally used and very specifically chosen for certain scenes, um, you know, and it really also enhances a lot of the color palette with kind of these hues of very pastel pinks and blues, where even the egg is, is kind of designed into color with the walls of the house, the clothes that people are wearing, the manicure the mom has and so how did you determine those elements of, of lighting and color together yeah well that was really I wanted to uh, portray this mother's lovely perfect world and I really wanted since she doesn't want any strong emotions in the family so there are no strong colors it's all kind of light pastel colors and she doesn't want any dark secrets in the family so there are no dark shadows so there's kind of feeling that there's nowhere to hide you can see everything and and with our production designer Bavi Gettun and I discussed that I really would like to have all these elements that you would consider to be feminine and lovely so let's have some rose wallpapers and then she found this very crazy rose wallpapers and we put them in every room with every possible color and with our DOP Arco Delaina who did also wonderful work so we also discussed this light that is always very soft and no dark shadows except in some particular scenes where with this early creature so the darkest shadows and the most darkness is there and, uh, and usually especially in horror film the darkness is something where the evil lies so to speak but but in this film, yes, that's where the creature is. But in my mind, hmm, maybe you can think that that is, might not be the biggest horror of the film in the end. Because, yeah, in the creature, she's kind of uncontrollable and, and doing horrible things. But she's also, with her, the girl can also face her kind of sorrow and for need of love. And, and I think it's not... It's, it's important to face your emotions no matter how difficult they are. So, so in this facing her in dark side of herself, so to speak, there's also comfort. So that was kind of the logic for us in when planning the lighting of the film. And in the way that you bring us into the film, there's kind of this full sense of security in those opening moments with, with that light, with those colors, with the music that we're hearing before it starts to feel very ominous. And, and the earliest kind of shift in that trajectory is obviously the breaking of the bird early on. How did you determine the way that you wanted to set that tone at the beginning and when you really wanted to bring the audience into what a lot of the tone for the rest of the movie was going to be? Yeah, that was uh, already in the, the script. There was this scene uh, when the bird flies inside and a mother breaks the neck of the bird. And, and that was something I wanted to put into this story was this, uh, to use the mother's vlog and her, her shooting the vlog in the very beginning just to portray uh, what she's doing and how she wants to present her family. And I also wanted to have these... Uh, uh, her vlog shots, so to speak, to be kind of gliding in like the bird would be flying. So I want to introduce this kind of gliding bird-like movement into the film. Yeah. 
And we were talking a little bit before about some of the gymnastics and it's such a great sport for the theme of perfectionism because it's literally something where you're getting scored on, you know, and deducted yeah. on any single mistake. But again, I love the way that you've brought the camera in so close on, on Siri as she's performing. And then the difference in the way that you're shooting that versus the moment that we see one of her teammates give an actual perfect performance and just the motion and the rhythm of that. And so wanted to hear a little bit about the way that you use the camera for those two different trajectories. Yeah, and that was something uh, we really wanted to tell in these gymnast scenes that, uh, that the whole gymnast sport itself is not an evil sport. So, so for example, her coach is nice and, uh, and the other girls seem to like the sport. And so we, the way we want to shoot it was that uh, we are always very close to Tinya. So for example, there are some other girls, we hear them laughing, but we, we don't really see them that much. And the only thing we basically see is then the neighbor girl kind of doing very kind of, easily good performance because she's kind of enjoying the sport herself and that is kind of something that she really wants to do instead of Tinya she's kind of failing all the time because well she doesn't really enjoy it herself it's just her mother's ambition and we really wanted to stay close with Tinya uh, because I wanted to portray how kind of closed she is herself she's not really with all the other girls and having interaction with them she's just concentrating on kind of her need to succeed yeah and with Tinia's interactions with with the bird and with the creature that comes into the film it's great because it's not just a very linear development of what that relationship is. It's, it's a confidant, it's a friend. There's something really maternal about the way that she's taking care of it. And also at the same time, it's an expression of so many of her internal fears. And so how did you approach wanting to shape each scene as telling a different story of, of who she is and, and all of the different things that she's grappling with, particularly since you have that female character of that very specific age where so much is coming to a head? Yeah, well, I, I really want to uh, also portray in this kind of coming of age thing and how in this kind of evolution of the creature in in a way how, uh, how confusing it, it can be and how different stages it can have. But also uh, what I wanted to show uh, in, in their kind of how they're uh, kind of... Um, uh, like how their relationship evolves. I wanted to first show that Tinia is not, don't know the creature, she's scared of the creature. And then uh, the creature kind of is like a pit. It kind of brings joy and laughter to her. And maybe, maybe for me, uh, that uh, is the most important thing why she falls in love with this creature is that that is the only person or the only creature with whom she can laugh and and kind of be kind of a child and have fun and uh and then she really kind of falls in love with this creature and starts to kind of takes care of the creature as she would like her mother to take care of her so so all those things uh i thought about to kind of show how the uh relationship evolves but at the same time of course uh there is this danger that can she control this creature. 
And was the fact that, that that creature is like you were saying just now, the, the one thing that she can really connect with and love why it was so important to have so many shots in other moments, going back to what you were saying about hearing the laughter of girls just off screen, but also in terms of a lot of the blocking I've seen, she's always kind of just a little bit away from the group, even when she's with the group. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was very uh, important and very intentional. For I really wanted to show in every way her loneliness. And that is shown in, in, in the blocking, how the other girls are always a little bit further apart. And we, in the sound, we hear them laughing. And around Tinia, there's kind of more like quietness. And in the family, it's very quiet. The whole atmosphere is very quiet. And there's very subtle sounds in the family area that you don't even notice that you hear is kind of very cold air conditioning sounds which make the whole home kind of cold place and when she walks on the street there's no one else on the street so she's always alone and actually there's no birds singing in their yard there's birds in neighbor's yard but not on their yard so so in this every way I wanted to show how alone she is and how much she's kind of uh, inside her head kind of just trying to please her mother and then lastly, going into a little bit of spoiler territory, we have kind of another version of her that starts to exist on screen and looks visually very similar, but obviously not quite at the same time. And there's things like the eyes looking very different. And then even there's a moment between the two of them where her face starts to just like disintegrate as she's shrieking with kind of expression. And so how did you figure out and determine the way that you visually wanted this other version of your character to look like and then what that disintegration of her was going to be uh yeah that was also um uh from the very first concept images that we had and then in a very last stage it was the vfx company U media that uh created these visual effects for her face and then i worked very closely with their wonderful designers and uh, kind of explaining what how i wanted it to look and uh and they're doing a lot of demos of this look so and that also was a, a long process that we started long before the shootings and uh, uh, kind of kept on the planning of the visual effects during the shootings and then in post and yeah that was also a great kind of co-work well it's such a wonderful film and I'm so excited for more people to see this film and also to see whatever projects you come out with next thank you so much Hannah really appreciate your time today thank you so much